Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other public forums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, and social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Truth Revival. This is season two, episode 42. So good to be back in the studio. Brother Paul, you went solo uh, in the last episode with Brother Joseph Byers. Thank you for filling in and for taking the lead on that. It's weird. You're, you're comfortable taking that lead role, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> but I, even though I, t- I do it, doesn't always mean I like it. <laughs> Had a cancellation today, and you surprised me. With uh, mm. one of our favorite guests here, uh, Brother Jeremiah Chapman. Want to welcome him onto the show. Hello. Brother Jeremiah, welcome, man. Thanks. This is the first time being in the studio. It's first time being in the studio. It just so happened that uh, I was in Tennessee this weekend. Yeah. So. Now, did you come in from Tennessee just to watch uh, Tennessee beat Alabama? Is that what it was? No. <laughs> no. And, yeah. And so we also need to talk about your church sign out there, too. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, my church, uh, uh, the guy who does our, our church sign, uh, he is hardcore UT. Yeah. And uh, just for our listeners who uh, who have, haven't seen it, you know, it says. It says, without Jesus, you're more lost than the Crimson Tide in Tennessee. On Rocky Top. On Rocky Top. On Rocky Top. I'm impressed, yeah. Chap, Paul Chapman. You've got a great memory right there. Yeah. yeah, without Jesus, you're as lost as the Crimson Tide on, on Rocky, Rocky Top. Top without Jesus. Or that's, you know. that's actually really good. I like yeah, that. I, I thought, I thought man, in the original, that was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, now, are you from Alabama? No. Not no, Alabama? Okay. No, 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 no. I'm uh, originally from Georgia. And uh, actually lived here in Tennessee for, I guess, a little over two years. Yeah. I actually attended church here when I was really young. At Poplar Bluff. Yeah. Like Some people three, may not be familiar. Like with. He, like Head Start and Kindergarten. I was okay. here before we moved back to Georgia. Yeah. so I came in from lower Alabama, L.A., as they call it, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> L.A. of the South, huh? Yeah. It was it – was, uh, it was a rough trip because all the trees lean south in Alabama. Oh boy! But uh, I was fighting that headwind to get home. But, but. and you know something, something else. Uh, this is I got made fun of. Uh, we we recently went down to uh, watch uh, the Vols uh, BLSU, and as we're going through Alabama, I seen something that you know I'd never really seen before, and all the guys in the car made fun of me. But I saw these cotton fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was just so unique. And almost just very eerie, I guess, too, knowing yeah. the history yeah. uh, that cotton has in the South. I saw a video of you stealing some. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and, and, and here's the commentary. Run, Roman, run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I but I, I picked that cotton, and it was literally just like you got it right out of the pack. That's cool. Yeah, It was, but of course, there was little seeds in it and all. Sure. But other than that. So so anyway, um, co- Alabama cotton, you know, it was a great time. It was but, good. But I drove back. I, I'd heard Jeremiah was coming, and we hadn't seen each other since my dad passed away. And so I was like, I'm going to listen to him speak at, at Celebrate Recovery last night. Eric Miller is over that. We had him on the podcast before. And so I made it. Brandon and, uh, Presley, yeah, Brandon and Mel. They did worship last night, crucified, mm-hmm. and um, so I made it and and heard a part of his story I'd never heard. And uh, we sat down on the front bench there before service, and uh, we were talking about Christian education, about teaching, and and uh, I'll let him share where he's at in his life now. Sure. Uh, but um, he's like, I'd love to come on and talk about Christian education and the importance of it, you know, compared to secular education. And I said, Well, praise God, the guy that uh, was coming tomorrow, his brother's having surgery at Duke, so he had to go to North Carolina on an emergency. So come on in the morning. Sweet. So here I am. Here he is. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for coming in, <laughs> Brother Jeremiah. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, as always. So, so Christian education. Um, you know, I'm a public educator. Mm-hmm. I, do you just real quickly want to hit on that? Sure. Yeah. You know, just, so, 
just a difference between public education and, and Christian education? Yeah. So, because uh, I know that, you know, I would, growing up, we would always hear about like private schools mm-hmm. because, you know, and, and I, and I know we're, we're going to try to go there spiritually about the importance of Christian education, what that means spiritually in our lives, but just face value public education versus like private school. Christian education. Just real quickly, sure. what's the main difference there? Yeah, so the main difference is going to be that um, we believe, as most Christian or, or all Christians should, is that the Bible is the authoritative, inerrant Word of God. And so, if that is where we're getting truth from, then um, then all other truth comes out of that. And so. Um, so if we believe that God did indeed create us in six 24-hour days, there are a lot of implications in all areas of study outside moving forward, progressing forward in that. When you talk about everything from geology, when you talk about chemistry, when you talk about history, when you talk about everything, because the implication that there is a creator God who made us in his image and all society, all of human history has came out of that. All scientific, all living being things, as as in John 1 says, that everything is being held together by Christ. Then that is vastly different than, you know, I would say the majority, while you might have some atheist uh, teachers, I would say the majority of public education in America and, and and most other civilized countries is coming from a very agnostic view. As when you get down to the basics of 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 where we're deriving uh, our our thought and our belief system, it comes from we don't know why we exist. We just happen to some random things come together, mm-hmm. and somehow we have this awareness and the ability to consciousness, yeah, to yeah, to uh, to have knowledge and teach it to big bang to one evolution. Yeah. We've been here for you know. millions and millions of years. Yeah, so yeah, I'm so. I'm guessing by that you're kind of a young Earth. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, you know, see, well, I believe the, the Bible, so that's there's that. <laughs> well, this is a beautiful <laughs> thing about uh, knowledge. Um, Google has been such a, a great resource for us in modern times. If you have a question about something, just Google it. Yeah. You know, um, obviously you want to try to make sure that you're getting a good source, but you know, there's so much content and information out there. I would be cautious because you can go down some rabbit holes. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to take you down mm-hmm. some, some crazy paths, but, but yeah, I, I think young earth creation, see, but I was taught about dinosaurs mm-hmm. growing up in public education that dinosaurs lived millions and millions of years ago, you know, yada, yada. Well, if we believe the Bible mm-hmm. and a young earth creation, the, the, the earth is quite possibly less than 10,000 years old. Absolutely. You know, I yeah. mean, again, if we're looking at the biblical right. account, you know, Moses, when he said, uh, when he would have got the, the law from God and he would have, you know, understood a day mm-hmm. to be, like you said, a 24 hour period and God rested on the seventh day, you know, in six mm-hmm. days he created the world. Then that would have meant that, you know, and, and from there the Bible starts um, detailing the, the, the lineage of, of Adam mm-hmm. and it gives his lifespan and his children, and his sons all the way to the times of Christ. The, the age of man basically, you know, was about, Six to eight thousand years, sure, plus two thousand. You know, since the time of Christ, we're looking at less than ten thousand, not millions yeah. of years, like we're taught in public I cringe education. Every time I hear that, I'm yeah. Like, oh. But <laughs> but scientists, you know, especially you know in in our society now, push this agenda that we're millions of years old, and then it gets taught in public education. And see, I'd say that here's the big difference between public education and Christian education. In public education, you are taught what to teach. Curriculum is mandated by the Department of Education. Yeah. Right? Whereas in private education, like Christian school, you have the freedom and the autonomy to choose the curriculum that you want to teach, more specifically, the Word of God. Yeah. Right? So uh, that's that's probably the 
biggest, the biggest mm-hmm. difference right there. Um, yeah. And, and, and a part of that, and I will say this and cause I mean, we could trace, chase so many different rabbit trails, but the difference is, is the quality of education because of the lower amount of, uh, students that we have in the classroom, the more time since we're more since personalized, our, since our standardized testing looks a lot different and the amount of time that we spend on that. And plus we're not teaching a bunch of other stuff that's mandated by the department of education. You know, we, we get that time with our students and we have flexibility and things like that. So our testing scores are outrageously higher than those of public schools. Um, and uh, the behavioral problems, the social issues and stuff like that, while we still exist because we have a good fair amount of kids that are, are not Christian that go to our school mm-hmm. because we are a private school and their parents just want them there. We have a, a good amount of kids. And so we, we still, you know, to, to think that our kids are unscathed by the world is, is that would be um, incredibly ridiculous. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, we're able to address those issues in a biblical manner, um, as, yeah. as opposed to just, Hey, you do you and, and everything. So it's almost like a mission field Yeah, when you got those unbelievers coming there. It um, is. And it's, it's discipleship because what, uh, what I was doing with my students before as a student pastor, you know, I had them for a week or two, uh, and then we would, you know, do an activity or so uh, throughout the week, or, you know, you would visit a kid at, at school or do something like that. I've literally got my students for seven to eight hours a day, yeah. um, every day, every work day. So, yeah. Um, and so we get to have those hard conversations and, and we get to stay on track and our, and our focused thoughts. They see you when it ain't always fun. They see, you know, yeah, yeah, when you're absolutely. tired, I mean, you spend that much time with people, you're going to really get to know who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, deep down. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one thing, uh, you know, I've been, I've been afforded a great career and a very flexible career, but I've also been offered a job to become a teacher. I mean, most people don't know this, but when I went to college, I was going to be a teacher. I would be in public education. I would be a Christian in public education. Uh, and I really see the need in that, uh, a lot in the dark. I was going to say that exact thing, a lot in the dark. So we had somebody else on the show that said that like education is like the war zone now. Oh, yeah. It really yeah. is. And yeah. But there needs to be good men and women in the classroom, yeah. Paul. Godly yeah. men and women in the classroom. Yeah, and and I, and I mean, I see, uh, I see the need for both. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, now will I choose to do that? It's like I told the guy that offered me. I said, "Man, <laughs> get some time to pray. I got to be led by the Lord because you know I I I have a really flexible schedule, and by that I'll be I'll be giving that up. But at the end of the day. You know, can I say something real yeah. quick? Um, while I was going back for my master's degree, I had a guy shout out to Dr. Bill Cam, such an incredible man of God. He made this profound statement that I've never forgot. He said, you know, because my bachelor's degree was in business and accounting, and I'd done that, met some wonderful people, but just wasn't feeling fulfillment and I was praying for God to lead me God what would you have me to do you know because I've got to put food on the table and and around here it's hard to to um to to afford to to live just on a pastor's wage you know uh so so I've got to put food on the table and I'm praying for what to and and it's just like God said well you know education education teaching so I took the leap of faith and uh, enrolled at Lee University and um this is what Dr. Bill came he said when you reach that place of greatest fulfillment and joy in your life, he said, cause we all have to have a career. He said, but we all have a calling. Mm-hmm. He said, when you find that place where those two intersect, your calling and your career, he said, that will be your place of greatest joy and fulfillment. And that has just stuck with me. And that's what I found in public education. Mm-hmm. You know, now would I like to teach at a, a private Christian school? I, shoot, I'd love that flexibility. You know, but Paul, you was talking about maybe getting into education. Here's the reality: you don't have to get in education be effective for the Lord. That's true. You know, yeah. because yeah. I'm sure, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah. The contacts that you've made 
through your job and shout out to Harvest Electric, you know, uh, but the contacts that you've made through that, you're ministering every single day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God is using you, no doubt about it. And, and God is blessing your, 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 your job, your career. And so like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like, well, the Lord's not blessing me over here anymore. So I've got to do this, you know, or I've, well, Roman and Jeremiah is now in education. So I've got to be in education too. It's not that because God puts us all in different places. Right. And I want our listeners, like, this is not, this is not to say that now every Christian needs to be in education. No, we're definitely not <laughs> yeah. saying that at all because. Oh, I believe that it needs to be a calling. Mm-hmm. Being an educator, it's not just about a job. Because mm-hmm. if you're doing it for the money, <laughs> listen, you know you're you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah said last night. He said, "There's one thing about it: you go home tired every day." <laughs> yeah, you know, I said you will you will be the most rewarded that you've ever been in your entire life being an educator. But you will be tired when you come home, and um, those summer breaks are going to be well earned. Yeah, you know? for real. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, Corey was telling me this other day. She said that um, because of virtual school now and COVID, that they may be doing away with snow days. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that disappointment that children may face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can't our, have nothing, man. That Come was on. the best. Whenever you'd wake up in the Stay morning, away, and it'd going. be like, yeah, you'd see that your your school scrolling across the screen on the news, or you'd hear it across the radio. Um, that's just another thing that COVID may be taking from us, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, did they still have Snowbird on the local news here? Is that? I was just thinking that when we were kids, it was Snowbird. Snowbird, think, yeah, yeah. I think Snowbird's kind of a thing of the past, but uh, oh no, man. Yeah, he's it, retired. It but I digress, yep. you know. Okay, so so back to uh, the importance of of a Christian education. Sure. Now I think you were going somewhere with this, Jeremiah. Yeah. And and I and I want to and I want to try to hit on this right here. I think that you're not just talking about public education versus Christian education, mm-hmm. but the importance of a Christian education and understanding certain basic principles. Mm-hmm. of the Christian faith. Is that kind of where you was going? Yeah, let me let, let me uh go back to the, the the creation part because the creation part is is very very important and uh as of right now we are using um uh in my classes I'm using the answers in Genesis curriculum Bible curriculum uh for our uh for our Bible classes and that's what we're studying. We'll um somewhere mid-year we're, we're taking our students to the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter to, to study and more. Yesterday, we were um, on the campus of UNC Chapel Hill all day and uh, going through several of their planetarium uh, shows and exhibits and things like that. And, of course, we heard a lot of them millions of years and things like that. Of course, our kids were, you know, prepped for that. And um, and UNC does a great job at, at what they do. You know, they actually trained um, a lot of astronauts at, at that very planetarium where we were oh, at wow. to, to, go to, uh, to go to the moon. And um, and everything, but again, it comes from an evolutionary mindset. Whether that yeah. would be atheistic in nature or agnostic, um, the thing is that the problem with that, and you, and parents might be, or you know, people listening may just be saying, okay, well, what's the big difference? Why can't we just believe our viewpoint and them believe their viewpoint? Well, the thing is, when you send a child to learn something, and ultimately. Deuteronomy 6, it is our responsibility as the parents. We're responsible for their education. Mm. It's not the educator. Whether you're going to Christian school, public education, homeschool, essentially you are tasked by God to educate your child. That's true. Just the same way you are tasked by God, commanded by God, to disciple your child. It's not the youth pastor's position. So... That is biblical. That's more mandated. Okay. Um, I used to joke um, around and say, as a youth pastor, I said, there's actually more biblical evidence uh, to have a concubine than there is to have a youth pastor. So, <laughs> so uh, by the way, don't do that. Uh, so, <laughs> not advised there. Not advised that. Um, but no, I know I can make a better biblical argument for having a youth pastor. Youth pastor is just a pastor um, that works for youth. So, um, but ultimately it's not, 
you're not dropping your kids off at Awana and letting the church take care of it. God specifically has uh, ordained you, commanded you as parents to bring them up to love the Lord, to love others, and for them to uh, walk uh, as Jesus walked. And that is the ultimate responsibility. When we go to heaven, we stand before God. Parents will stand before God way before the youth pastor does, way before the Sunday school teacher mm. does, way before the pastor does, way before the public school teacher. It is the responsibility of the parent to disciple their child and to educate their child. Now, if they partner with a public school, a Christian school, or a homeschool co-op, or however it is that they do that and they partner with the local youth ministry, they need to understand that they are still in the driver's seat. They are the ones that are still commanded for that education. That being said, if we start out with the idea that there is a God, now at, at risk of getting really deep, here philosophically and theologically for a minute, please hang with me and you can pause. You can, I mean, go back and listen to this. If you need to look up some words, you can look up some words. I'll try to keep this on layman's terms. Not that I'm some smart guy or whatever. Um, but, um, when, when you look back at the idea of everything happening just randomly and we're just elements of stardust, who happen to come together uh, and we're progressing out in this life, it changes things majorly to be coming from the origin <laughs> of God created us in his image to be in a relationship with him, to bring him glory and for us to uh, be able to live out his purposes. Like even before uh, that's one reason the marriage issue is such a big issue in Christianity you know, why can't we just let people love who they want to love or sleep with who they want to sleep with, those sorts of things? Well, it comes back to creation. God created us in his image. He created and gave the command, even before sin existed, for uh, a, a man to leave his father and mother and to cleave unto his wife, one man, one woman for life. That was God's perfect plan. Um. God also gave us the perfect plan of resting. God gave us the perfect plan before sin in the garden uh, to be able to eat and enjoy food. He gave us the perfect plan of procreating, of, of all those things. We have a purpose. If we're just stardust, if we're just some atoms that have come together, we've evolved into something like that, there really is no purpose no. in mm -hmm. life. It's just okay? a free-for-all, yeah. And also... Um, this is this is a huge argument right here. Uh, as you begin to split away from those two origin stories, there's also no morality. I was going to say that your your morality is is liquid. Who determines what's right and wrong? Is Absolutely. there such a thing so, as right and wrong? Each man's a demigod. Yeah. Is, that, is there yeah. any yeah. universe? Are there any universal truths? Yeah. You know? Are there any? You know, at, at, at what point? Because, um. God's law, which is we know as Bible-believing Christians, is written on our heart. That's the reason we know, even apart from the knowledge, uh, as in direct knowledge of God, humans still know it's wrong to kill. They know it's wrong to murder. They know it's mm -hmm. wrong to rape. They know it's wrong to steal. We can look at civilizations that has had no re written record of um, of the Bible, and and they believe that, Okay. But if we're believing, okay, but if we're believing random chance, evolution, survival of the fittest, and everything like that, then why is rape wrong? Okay. And and this is where we've got into our our culture, is that was how we've we've wound up at, you know, this is why, you know, same sex relationships, same sex marriage is is okay is because we really don't believe those origin stories. But the problem is, is that is a slippery slope, and you're going to see this. And I haven't read the article, but someone brought it to my attention the other day that uh, I believe it was in New York that they have signed something into law uh, to allow some version of polygamy. And so we knew that once same-sex marriage um, kind of landed 
at a federal level and those sorts of things that, you know, there's always going to be something else. It's always going to progress to something else. Yeah. And so we knew uh, that uh, polygamy was in the batter's box. Pedophilia is in the batter's box. Now, every one of us would sit here in 2022 and we disagree. We think pedophilia is wrong. Uh, people are, um, you know, that, that that's wrong. People should be put in jail. Some people think maybe worse, you know, that there sh- should be things done to people that, uh, that abuse children this way. But there is actually a very huge secular movement that is saying that this is a natural tendency, the same way that they said about homosexuality, the same thing that they've said about polygamy, the same thing, you know, all these other things, is that, hey, these people have developed these feelings naturally. Who are we to withhold that from them? Mm -hmm. And so um, I hope I'm wrong, okay? I hope I'm wrong, but I know I'm not, okay? I think that you're, you're correct, Jeremiah, and what it is, it's just a perversion yeah. of God's plan. Like you said, it's the starting point. It's demonic. If, if, if we undermine mm. God's word from the beginning, if from the beginning, if th- this world starts to attack and starts questioning God and they begin to destroy it and discredit it and criticize God, then it creates this doubt that, well, maybe there's not a God. Maybe maybe there are no universal truths, or maybe there's no such thing as morality or sin or right, right or wrong, um, and 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 so maybe I am just some big cosmic accident. You know, what's my purpose in this life? You know, and it, it, it poisons us. It's it's toxic to begin to to start to start thinking about um, all of that all that stuff. And um, and guys, there's uh, something else that I want to say here. Jeremiah, you was talking about the starting point. When we when we take God out of the equation, there's that human element that people are always going to ask these same questions. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Am I alone? Why do people suffer? Is there any hope? Why do we have to die? Those are basic questions that can't be answered from an evolutionist perspective. Absolutely. Or through universalism, those those questions can't be answered. And and one of the big uh, questions that that people will often use to discredit God is if there is a God, a loving God, why does He allow evil? Now, this is you know a, we could do a podcast on that. We could do you know, a lot of podcasts on that. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it still wouldn't be the definitive answer. I mean, people debate that stuff. All, every, all these questions. Why am I here? Am I alone? Why do I suffer? You know, but what we're trying to do here is we're trying to explain the need mm-hmm. for solid doctrine and theology so that we can have a firm foundation in our lives. Absolutely. Okay. I think that's that's the that's what we're trying to get at right here. Mm-hmm. The need for Christian education. And you know, it can it can be through uh private school and Christian education, but can it can also uh you, you said it primarily come through the work of the home. Of the home, yes. And absolutely. the parents. The well, parents have a responsibility mm-hmm. to Train up their children in the ways that they should go. You're wanting to say something. Else, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So while we're talking about origins, let's let's back up just a little bit further and go back to this on why we even have schools. Okay, uh, the first schools that we know, um, of course, come out of Greek culture and, and those sorts of things. But more in the Western world, uh, what we had now at um, we're in farm country right now. Our family farms uh, right down the road. Um, and um, just a little over 100 years ago, 90% of all Americans were involved in farming industry and somehow. Mm. Okay. Get this. 2% of the Americans are in some type of agricultural. Now. Now. Yeah. Okay. A little over probably about 150 years ago. Um, 
back in the Industrial Revolution. It was common. It was common, and it's been common throughout human history that the family unit, multiple cultures, Christian and non-Christian, um, that parents were primarily responsible for their children. They taught them everything about life. They raised them. Sons would apprentice with their fathers. Uh, women would apprentice under their mothers, and they would uh, any culture, every culture, okay. And that's the way it was. Yes. If your father was a blacksmith, guess what? You, you were, were you're, you're going to be, be a blacksmith. blacksmith. If your father was an electrician, yeah, you were going to be an electrician. <laughs> you're be an elect- that's just that was the way that, that it was. was. That was the way it was. And what happened was, what happened was um, Rockefeller. Yeah. <laughs> so the. Um, uh, when the Industrial Revolution, we we decided that we could make things faster. Uh, big business decided they could make more money and that we could talk society into, hey, let's come into these factories. Let's come into these systems. And what happened was is this was the opportunity where, where one and then two parents wound up working in these areas so that they could, you know, provide for their families. And but the what, rise of capitalism. And the rise of capitalism. <laughs> and the um, and what happened was that the kids were left to take care of themselves. Mm. Now, this is, uh, this is also a study of Sunday school. You know, Sunday school was actually started in churches in England not to uh, not to teach kids necessarily Bible stories and things like that. It was to teach them to read and write. They just happened to use the Bible as the textbook to be able to do that. To and so they would take these kids that were committing these crimes and and doing all begging on the street and doing all these things, and they would take them in and and, and educate them. And that's where Sunday school came from. But the education part of uh, of things was primarily done by at home by the parents yeah. um, up until this time. And then there was a need for schools to be able to educate uh, these kids, get them off the streets, get them in, into those things. And so that was all well and good. That happened, the school system. It was primarily ran by churches, communities like this. It would have definitely been church. If you go and look in the mountains here at some of these old school rooms and stuff like that, they were right next to a church, mm-hmm. or the church was in charge of having that teacher come in, and sometimes that teacher would be the pastor. I was going to say the pastor would most times be the yeah. school, the school master, school yeah. teacher. And so, um, uh, so we had that, and then um, we. This this is fascinating right here. Um, is the word adolescence, or even the idea of adolescence, did not exist 120 years ago. The teenager literally did not exist 120 years ago. That idea of of a teenager, still someone who is an adolescent, being still a child or still being a, a minor, that was the, their apprentice years. Those were the things that they were in. So there was no high schools and everything like that. And that's where they come up with the term secondary school. So we saw that start to come in place, 20s, 30s, and then gained a lot of popularity, 40s, 50s, and those things. So what we saw happen in the human experiment here, uh, once we gathered young men and young women because remember, teenagers don't exist, and we gather them and we put them in school instead of putting them towards careers because they need more education because they need to be a little bit more mature before we send them to university, okay, a university system. And there's a whole lot more, and there's books and books and books on this. Um, but um, is what we saw is parents and the family structure that God designed was no longer the leading influence in a teenager's life. Mm. What was the major influence was their peers. And so by the time the 50s roll around and we see this, and that's when you start seeing uh, mass rebellion. Yeah. And then what do we see happen right after that in the 60s? Sexual revolution takes place. Yeah. Sexual revolution. 
And can I just say this? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say this. And if this offends somebody, I'm sorry. But I felt like this for a really long time. Because you hear people talk about kids these days. Yeah. Ah, kids these days are this. And kids these days are that. And the LGBTQXYZ. And kids these days. I'm going to tell you where all this started. All this started with that baby boomer generation. Mm-hmm. And all this started well. with them hippies. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, <laughs> But but you know that not no no I'm not throwing stones or nothing like that. Sure, it's just it's man, mm-hmm. it's the flesh, it's humanity. It's, it's believe sin. a lie and be damned. That's right. I mean, it would. <laughs> yep. it, and see, it's gonna ha- it's all gonna happen. It happens in every civilization. Yes, there's mm-hmm. a pendulum that swings. Uh, the the Protestant Reformation. You know, people were all right with God, and then slowly but surely we've started drifting, and now we're drifting further, and hopefully. Hopefully the pendulum swings back to revival, mm-hmm. you know, and people turn their heart and their lives back to the Lord. Yes. Wouldn't that, that would be wonderful. Yes. Um, of course, you know, the Bible talks about the end times um, and that there must first come a great falling away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Jeremiah, I want to, I want to get us back to, to this right here. And we need to try to, uh, we need to try to wrap this up. I'm going to try to give us about 10 more minutes right okay. here. So if our listeners can, can stay with us here. Basics that every Christian should know. Can we try to do that for just a few minutes here? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is not the definitive list, but you're talking about the importance of a Christian education. Sure. Um, and it really starts in the home. That is fundamental, and that's super important. Private education is also great, but not everybody can afford private education, and it's not really available mm-hmm. to every kid, especially not in like the Teleco area. We don't yeah. have a Christian home. People can do homeschooling or whatever. Um so it's not always available, but but you also talk about Sunday school. Mm-hmm. That right there is an option as well. You know, we we offer that here at our church. But let's try to talk about some basics that every Christian should know. Mm-hmm. All right. So just real quickly, um, Paul, what's something that you think every Christian should know? Something basic that every Christian should know. That every Christian should know. Your word is truth. That the that the, the, the word that, is truth. That the Bible. What is truth? The it, word is truth. The, the Bible, God's word. Yes, is you know Jeremiah. You say inerrant. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to hear people say it's the inerrant, in, infallible word of God. Well, then you start doing some research and you find out that that the Bible is a compilation of books. Old and New Testament, and that it was written by men divinely inspired of God. And I'm going to tell you something: men make mistakes, mm-hmm. and that there may be some translation errors in the King James text, yeah. or there may be some there may be some issues here or there. You know, and and people have poked holes in the inerrancy of God's word. And they'll say, well, see, there's look at all these contradictions. And then people start causing me to question God's word. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, the Bible's full of errors. I'm like, what are you talking about? The resurrection accounts, mm-hmm. you know, in the resurrection accounts, there are different accounts of who actually went to the tomb at various times of the day. Um, the angels that were there, were they in the tomb? Were they out of the tomb? Was there one? Was there two? Um, you know, what did Jesus actually say when he was resurrected? Who did he speak to? You know, and so you, you'll you use people that will try to poke holes in, in, in the resurrection account and say, you see there, there's these errors and there's these discrepancies, right? There's these anomalies. There are these anomalies because of the fallibility of man. But let's not forget that doesn't change that the resurrection occurred. Amen. And when the Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of truth, you see, God's word confirms itself. Now, um, these resurrection accounts, does that do, do these uh, do these differences, do they nullify God's word? I don't believe that they do, but rather they, reinforce 
that resurrection account. And there's other instances, like I said, you can go down that rabbit hole. Um, but the, the Bible, God's word has been tried and tested over time. People have tried to destroy it. People have tried to, uh, nullify it. Um, uh, people have tried to do away with it, but you, you can't escape, um, God's word and, and how it's been, uh, presented to us over the years. And so, yeah, the, uh, um, the word of God, that's the first thing that people need to need to try to know. Uh, Jeremiah, what's something else that you think that people need to know? Bible basics that every Christian needs to know. Yeah, I would I would go back to what I've kind of already talked about, but I would say the the importance of the creation, creation mandate, um, our understanding of the dominion that we've been given over uh, over Earth. Um, and sometimes when you say dominion, people start talking, thinking about <laughs> what uh, prosperity gospel people know. There was a, a dominion God gave us uh, as as humans. Uh, dominion over the earth to to care for uh, to care for uh, all of nature to care for the um, animals to care for the family unit and the things that God's entrusted us with. Yes. So I think getting back to the creation creation mandate is, is huge. There's so much right there in Genesis, yeah. and, and again, so so you know these are some things that every believer needs to know. First of all, know that God Jesus said, "Lo, I've come in the volume of a book." That in the beginning was the Word, mm. and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus Christ is the Word from the beginning of creation. You know, so again, there's two major things that, mm. and, and now, now here's the thing: we're not trying to teach this to six year olds because I mean, you can teach certain basics to a kid, but you could spend your life as an adult in pursuit yeah, of understanding true. this. You know, and it would still be. You know, like, like even now I'm trying to reinforce my own personal knowledge, you know, my own personal commitment. Uh, I know some, I know some basics, but that's why I continue to go to church. That's why I continue to read God's word. That's why I continue to pray and seek the Lord because I want God to reveal his, his truth to me so I can understand him deeper. I would say understanding the, uh, the gospel. Mm -hmm. What is the gospel? If we could ever understand the gospel fully, you know, uh, the gospel is simply the good news. Mm. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus saves. Yep. Well, why do I need to be saved? Well, we've all sinned and mm-hmm. come short of the glory of God. Yeah. You know, well, uh, you know, who, who determines what sin is? Who determines right and wrong? You see, all of these things, uh, this could lead down to so many other little rabbit holes, but it's God's word. God, the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. God's word determines truth and what's right and what's wrong. And if it breaks God's word, then that is sin. If a man knows to do right and does it not to him, it is sin. So you see, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. This is why people die. When we die, what happens? The Bible says be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. When we die, the Bible says we'll have to give an account for the deeds done in the flesh. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm gonna have to answer for the for the things that I've done. I guess a little weary when you start thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um and we start we start talking thinking about the judgment of sin that we have to give an account for what we've done. That, you know, for the the Bible says, and if you've offended in one point of God's law, that you're guilty of all. All of it. Yeah. You know? Mm. And that there'll be a day of separation that God will say, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What do we have to offer God? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, uh, Lord, I've got a master's degree. <laughs> or uh, how about $10,000? $100,000 in U.S. money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or uh, God, how about... This car that I drive, or this house—I mean, or or how about these trophies, these things yeah. that I've earned, these accolades? God's not interested in that. What will you give in exchange for your soul? There's nothing that you can offer God. Mm-mm. How naive are we to think that God will be impressed with anything that we could accomplish? Because the Bible says that our righteousness—it's just as filthy rags in the sight of God. And so when God sees us. He'll either say innocent or guilty, and we all 
have been guilty of breaking God's law. But thanks be unto God that he provided a sacrifice. That without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission or payment for sin. Even from the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke God's law and God realized that there had to be a payment for sin. And the only the only way to, to pay for sin is through death. And God made a sacrifice, even in the even in the garden. And or I'm so thankful that God provided the sacrifice for my sin, all of our sins, his son Jesus Christ, to pay the sin debt that we all owe. That's the gospel. And that's the good news. That's the education we need to give at home. That, that's the good news. But here's the thing, and I don't mean this wrong, and I don't mean to offend anybody. That's the education we need to be given at home, but we're giving it over and over and over every Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, again, this is something that goes, this is something that happens in the church. In church, there's a lot of um, attempts at evangelism. Mm-hmm. We we try to evangelize people, and we think the purpose of church is to see people get saved. Well, that's one of the functions of church, but one of the primary functions of of church is worship. Yeah, strengthen the believer. Worship, discipleship, mm-hmm. growing in your walk with Christ, fellowshipping with believers. You know, and then as Jesus said. Go and make more disciples, missions. That's an important work of the church. But 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 Paul, like you said, you know, and, and this is it's great that there's an evangelistic presentation of the gospel, but that's not the sole purpose of the church. No, the sole purpose of the church is to not see people get saved. You know, it you're planting a seed and God grants the increase. But then once the, the Bible talks about bearing fruit, what does it mean to bear spiritual fruit? You know, man, oh man, we've got, we could do a podcast over the past, for the next year over the stuff we've talked about in the past 10 minutes. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. You yeah. see what I'm talking? So like there are basics that every believer needs to know. One, that, that God's word is truth. Number two, the creation story. And where do we fit into that narrative? How does all that work? And then the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of God's son, Jesus Christ, and that we've been called to go and make disciples, that we all have a a commission and a calling upon our life to fulfill God's word, to be disciples. Uh, Guys, again, this this is unending. So the importance of Christian education is vital in our culture right now. Yeah. Jeremiah, you want to say something to end this right here? Yeah, I'll, um, yeah. So you know, because I, I think I brought up a lot of the problems, or brought up some some things like that, and so I would love to leave listeners with um, a, a, a what a what now type thing, or, you know, have I sparked some interest Has has God been speaking to you? You know, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, think just thinking through some of this, um, uh, as always, I'd be more glad to have any conversation with anybody. Um, uh, you guys can find me on most social media under Jeremiah Chapman and, uh, and also, um, you know, um, my email is, uh, jchapman at hillsboroughchristian.org. Uh, you can look up the school there and also, uh, email me there. Uh, so, um, kind of, you know, if you're a Christian parent or maybe grandparent, pastor, um, or just, you know, someone who's in- interested, this sp- sp- part, you know, what now? Uh, for parents, I would say the number one step would be to take the driver's seat. Take the driver's seat and and raising your child. God has given you the uh, the authority. He's commanded you to do so. You're responsible. Take the driver's seat. Mm. And so, um, next, I would say educate your kids. Okay, biblical education. And even if you're not understanding a lot of the academic things that might be going on in public school, private school, homeschool, or things like that, um, to to be involved in educating and understanding 
uh, where your child is, where they're moving to. Do not just leave that to the professionals because at the end of the day, those professionals do have a vested interest in your child, but not like you do. Mm. And, um, and so uh, that brings me to my next step, which is to educate yourself. Now, I'm not saying go out and learn algebra or <laughs> dig up some old, uh, some old wounds or whatever, but educate yourself. What does it look like for you to do those previous steps, the taking the driver's seat, educating your kids? What does it look like for you to be in charge of discipling your child? There's countless resources. We have an Internet. We have Google. We have... Um, you know, all kinds of free resources out there, low cost uh, resources out there for you to be able to use, uh, even if it's doing nothing but sitting down with your family and reading some scripture and talking through it. Educate yourself, educate your kids. Uh, next is to trust God for something, uh, something better. Um, if you're not satisfied and you're like, hey, I want to homeschool my kids or I want to send them to Christian school or I want to be more involved, then take this to God and take it to God desperately, desperately, because your child's future and your child's present, it, it matters right now. Yes. If you did not notice, there is an enemy we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not all about ideas and philosophies, which which there's many. Um, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But the spirits and the principles of the air, come on. So the um, You've got to trust God and trust God desperately for this. And, yes. and I'm going to make a really, really strong statement. Because I hear, you know, parents say, you know, hey, there's no way I could afford this or I can't, you know, it takes two of us to to do to do this. Um, this is what I'm going to say. If you were diagnosed with a serious illness right now and were put on pause uh, in this, you would absolutely trust God with this. You would ask everyone, you know, to be praying you would be doing everything under the sun, going to get people to pray over you, trusting God for this. Listen, this is that important. This is that important for your child. Not just that I could make the blanket statement of the next generation or this generation, Generation Z, or any of that, but this is that important. Trust God. See what can happen. Can you downsize? Can you do whatever you need to so that you can provide education for your child to make sure your child is properly discipled and properly educated? Um, um, and this would also be for people, for organization, for businesses, for churches. Could you start to look at education as missions? Could you start to use a part of your missions budget in your church Use a part of your mission's giving uh, to to educate, to offer a Christian education to kids in the next generation. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say this. Listen, my, my daughter is a missionary uh, in Tokyo, Japan. I understand. Um, I understand the importance. I, I see the work of missionaries all over the world. But I'm going to tell you, it is just as important, just as important, if not more important in some cases, that we offer. Christian education to our kids. And so there's ways to do that. You could help um, in with your giving uh, towards a Christian school. You could help sponsor a child that you know or a grandchild to be able to get a Christian education. Um, and, and we're talking about sometimes it might be $20 a month or sometimes if you're a business, you know, it could be $1,000 a month. Could you uh, look at education as missions and 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 begin to to see that because the other side of that I'm going to tell you I'm all for and trust me I am for us having Christian people in education but this is a this is a strong statement but I stand by it and it's wholeheartedly truth public education will never meet the need of um of raising our children as disciples. Mm. It will never meet that need. Um, it will never, um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of backlash in our country. You know, uh, one of the things that happened during COVID was, you know, the, them trying to sneak into things with the critical race theory, uh, goddess, godless ideology. Um, when it comes to the LGBT agenda, which is literally getting 
push down uh, our kids' throats and, and, and those uh, sorts of things. Tell me why education would not be as important as missions and that we should not be viewing education as a mission because that is the enemy's attack right now. That is the uh, enemy's front. And so next, uh, I would say church action uh, for education, church and community uh, action for education. What does it look like if there's parents in your church who are wanting to, um, you know, have Christian education or be able to offer it? Does it look like a homeschool co-op? Hey, I I would like to homeschool, but I don't think I can, um, you know, I don't think I can do that by myself or I'm not proficient in a certain subject. Well, what other, you know, if you just look around, if you'll get on Facebook, maybe look in some groups, you will find some, um, you'll find some uh, co-ops, you'll find some other interested parents. Um, and another thing is, is retired educators. Some educators, you know, they retire at 20, 20, uh, 25 years and they'll go on with different careers. If you are a retired educator, what would it look like for you to tithe or however you want to look at it, give to God your first couple years of your retirement and helping Christian education happen in your community? Uh, what would it look like for you to retire at 20, 25, 30 years and say, okay, God, I'm giving you a year or two years to help my church launch uh, a Christian school or offer Christian education? In our Listen, most of our churches sit empty during the work week. Um, there's things that we could be doing. We could be using those for Christian education, whether that's homeschool groups meeting together, whether that's Christian, uh, a Christian school getting started. It's a lot easier than a lot of people think. And I really have to, um, I really have to give a shout out to BJU press, uh, which is the curriculum that we use. I could not imagine using a different curriculum. I absolutely love BJU press for almost everything. I did say that we use Answers in Genesis as well, but BJU Press, uh, everything that I teach history-wise and English, uh, and I can speak on behalf of the science teacher and math and stuff. So everything is um, everything is creation-based, is, is, is Christian. And so if you're looking for a place to start, homeschool or, or even um, a, a Christian school, I would look there for BJU Press. So. You are talking about a vision now. Lord have mercy. Amen. Well, Jeremiah, thank you for sharing that. Um, guys, I, I just feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg and the importance of Christian education. And where does it really start? It starts in the home. It yeah. starts with mom and dad. Jeremiah, thank you for this challenge. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you guys for having me. And um, I want to give, I want to give uh, uh, some people uh, resources that I personally use um, to help me as, as a minister, as a father, as a disciple of Christ. Um, these are some, some resources that I use. Um, livingwaters.com, uh, Ray Comfort, love Ray Comfort. He is also on YouTube. You talk about an evangelist, uh, you know, presenting the gospel, mm-hmm. um, Ray Comfort on YouTube, livingwaters.com. Great resource. Um, another one, um, is the Gospel Coalition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm subscribed to their newsletter. They're all the time sending out great content. Um, another one that I really love is Crossway. These are the guys that, um, the publisher for the ESV Bible. And they're all the time, again, send, they send out a weekly um, newsletter and articles. Always, always very timely and, and relevant to what's happening in our culture. You mentioned answers in Genesis. Yes. Love Ken Ham answers in Genesis. Great stuff there. Um, but then probably my top two, um, the local church. Yeah. And the word of God. That's it. Okay. I mean, you, those, there's no substitute for those in, in my book there. Um, but, but that's it for me, Paul, help us land this plane. Hmm. I sat here and and thought and meditated on all of it. And and the question that keeps coming back to my head is, how do I learn? How do I educate myself? Mm -hmm. We gave you the tools, the word. The word will teach you about creation. 
And the word will teach you that you were created for a purpose out of that creation to bring honor and glory to the Father. Listen to what John says here. He says, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Hmm. A lot of people are trying to be led astray right now by this world agenda. Verse 27. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. He will teach you. He will guide you into all truth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Boom, baby. Yeah. Paul, thank you, as always, uh, for those closing words of inspiration. What a great show. I've enjoyed today. Jeremiah, thank you for coming on board, for being with us today. Absolutely. Hillsborough, NC. Now, Paul, when this episode (laughs) plays... Tennessee-Alabama game will have already wrapped up. That's right. Who you got? Huh? Who you got? Diddy, diddy, falls by fitty, baby. <laughs> falls by fitty. <laughs> oh, I'm, I really hope that Tennessee's able to pull this out. But, I hope uh, the goalpost get carried down Cumberland Avenue oh, tonight, man. baby. Well, <laughs> Lord. I hope Toe Toe goes home with a towel <laughs> over his head. Hey. This has been Truth Revival. If you've enjoyed the show, be sure to check us out at Truth Revival 37385 on Facebook. For Jeremiah Chapman, Paul Chapman, I'm Roman Hamilton. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>